easy peeper deeps and welcome to another episode of the feeling fine podcast and i'm your host pete fine <coughs> uh, once again i want to thank everybody for tuning in and don't forget to hit the subscribe button uh, if you are a regular listener and uh, also uh, big thanks to everybody that uh, all the people that are listening uh, uh, in the various countries around the world your support is very much appreciated as I continue to share my thoughts and observations and uh, with you uh, with a view of of giving you food for thought of uh, developing a clearer perspective and understanding of what we call reality which I think in this day and age uh, is very much required very much required um, we are at a point where it's becoming very valuable to develop different ways of looking and understanding reality. Uh, clearly, as the ways that many of us are experiencing reality are uh, becoming more and more prevalently problematic, people are struggling more and more in their day-to-day -day lives. And being a simple shift in perspective that can solve uh, all the problems, being that that's all that's needed, I think it's important that we, we uh, continue to share as many uh, or as often as we can alternative views, uh, and especially with all of these social media platforms and stuff that make it so much easier to do so. Uh, I will say straight off the bat that everything that I share is not what I believe, it's purely my observations and how I see life. Uh, so you might say it's like a philosophical outlook. And, you know, I call it a personal, uh, personally I call it a spiritual outlook. And, um, but it's not a belief system and I'm certainly not sharing it with the intent of you listening and uh, taking it on board as something to believe in, more as something to contemplate more deeply yourself, to, you know, if it uh, adds fuel to your meditation practice and or to your contemplate, contemplative practicing, then uh, that uh, to me is the most valuable thing because realization and understanding has to come from you as opposed to it being something that you learn from other people. So, uh, with that being said, today's episode, uh, we are up to episode eight, and this uh, episode I have called Raising Consciousness. So what do I mean when I speak of raising consciousness? Some of you may well have come across this phrase, this saying or whatever at some point yourselves already. 
raising consciousness. Well, in general, when we think about consciousness, when we think about being conscious, we think in terms of being awake. Being awake, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of your interactions and so on. So awake meaning not asleep, not tucked up in your bed or on the sofa or on a chair or lying on the floor even, passed out or whatever, but being awake and experiencing your day-to-day -day life, let's put it that way. So generally speaking, when we speak of being conscious, this is what we're referring to. We're referring to being awake and, and able to experience. Although you can be asleep and be conscious uh, uh, or conscious of your dreams, conscious of what's going on in your mind, basically. This is basically another level of consciousness that we can experience as physical beings. This uh, meaning that obviously when you dream, there are, there are two stages of sleep. There is your, uh, obviously you, uh, there are, yes, two stages of sleep. There is your uh, dream state or sometimes called the REM state, rapid eye movement. And in this state, one is asleep, but dreaming. And if you ever observe somebody when they are dreaming, um, they've just fallen asleep and they're in this dream state, you can sometimes see, or you can often see, their eyes are moving from, you know, in all directions under their eyelids. So you can actually see the movement uh, of uh, sort of, in their eyelids, their eyelids are moving because their eyes are moving. And it's almost like their eyes are watching this experience of the dream as it unfolds. So this being called the REM state or the dream state. And then there's the deep sleep, which is the state of being asleep beyond your uh, physical awareness. So we are only aware that we, we are asleep when we wake up. And we are aware that we were conscious uh, while we were asleep because we are also aware of the period prior to, uh, uh, to being asleep. So we are aware that we went to sleep and then we are aware at the point of waking up out of sleep. Although in some cases you might uh, through throughout the duration of your sleep, so let's say you, you go to bed at 9 o'clock and you wake up at 5, you might actually come out of deep sleep in that duration uh, and go back into deep sleep. Or sometimes you might come out of deep sleep and awaken. Uh, maybe you had a, a nightmare or something, something that actually woke you up out of deep sleep. Uh, or rather, out of dream sleep. So we go into dream state, then we go into deep sleep. Sometimes we can come out of deep sleep, back into dream state, and then go back into deep sleep, or you can just sleep solid and wake up. Uh, but then on the waking stage, we go back, we fall back into the dream state, and then we awake, we awaken out of the sleep.
So this uh, whole experience we are aware of, this we can call uh, uh, our physical state of consciousness, of being conscious. And even while we are in deep sleep, consciousness remains. And when we speak of awakening, so in spirit, spiritual terms, when we speak of awakening, this level of awakening, uh, what we call, what is referred to as conscious awakening, this is like in line in many ways with the consciousness that we are or that we experience, although we don't know it, while we are in deep sleep. So in deep sleep, although we have no full recollection of being asleep, uh, other than the fact that we went to sleep and then we woke up from the sleep, although we have no full true recollection of being asleep, we are still in consciousness. And this is effectively what raising consciousness means. Raising consciousness isn't limited to our physical experience of reality. Although many people make this misconception. Raising consciousness is to kind of fall into the understanding that our truth, our fundamental truth, is, is basically consciousness itself. So when, to, so to speak of being conscious, consciously awake as a physical thing, this is basically where humanity has been for so long. But then even in this consciously awake state, much of what we do is we are not conscious of. Much of the things, the processes and so on of the, the body and the mind, we are not fully conscious of. So many things that, that we actually do, many activities. As an example, you might drive, you might be driving your car and Let's say your journey, you, you've got a, a, a journey for a, a, a bit of a distance to travel. It might be an hour or two, something like this. And then you suddenly realize that you have been driving for half an hour or so. But you have no memory of the last half an hour of driving. You don't remember driving past certain landmarks that you would normally see on that journey. You don't remember. Uh, there were basically so many things, so many aspects of the journey. You might not remember locking your front door. You might not remember um, if you've put certain things in your car or what you wanted to take with you. 
uh, all of these different things that you don't remember doing, which basically highlights the fact that even though we are conscious, we are not always fully consciously aware. So to raise our consciousness means that what we are effectively doing is fine-tuning our, our awakened state to the point that we are aware of being aware. So in this kind of state of being, it's like, it's like a resetting. It's like a resetting. We, we are basically resetting ourselves to be in line with our fundamental truth, which is to be conscious that we are conscious. And one of the things that that are misunderstood about all of this it's in in reality it's not uh, the the most straightforward thing to speak about because what we're speaking about here is something that is beyond the mind's grasp the mind cannot grasp what it means to be truly conscious the mind cannot grasp what consciousness is i've seen video clips related to artificial intelligence and robots and all of this kind of stuff where they are speaking about putting consciousness into robots and so on uh, and this kind of consciousness consciousness that they are speaking of is just a program it's a program that gives the robot the droid or whatever you want to call it uh, a, a process of understanding but it's not a process of understanding its its algorithms and let's call it problem solving so in this respect, all that the robot, android, whatever, knows is basically what it's been taught to know. But what this does show us is a reflection of our own physical consciousness that all we know, all we know, all that we refer to as knowledge is basically what we have been taught to know. Now, there is a, a, a kind of a line, a quote, a saying, whatever you want to call it. And many people look at this as being a necessary part of who we are. It's been necessary, a necessary part of who we are and uh, an empowering thing to have. 
And basically this, this quote is saying, knowledge is power. So in this kind of belief that knowledge is power, and especially in this day and age, people have come to this point now where they are, this is the age of information. The people refer to this as being the age of information. And I've kind of touched on this subject before. The age of information and with it being the age of information, it means that we have all of the information available at our fingertips. You can find anything you want. You can walk. It's like even with your mobile phone, it's almost like you have a, a world library in your back pocket or your front pocket, whatever you want to carry it. And this library that you carry means it enables you to research, to look up, to find anything you want, anything you want. The problem with information is you don't truly know whether the information you are gathering is true. You don't know. But the only thing that makes it true to you as an individual is whether it kind of fits into your way of thinking. So if it fits into your way of thinking, then you will deem it to be true. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to you that might lead you to question this information that you believe is truth. It doesn't matter because in your mind you will have already made your mind up. So there is often no way that you will be prepared to see anything other than what you have gathered, this information that you have gathered as being true. Now, the deeper reality of this is that, you know, people often use the term free thinkers. That, uh, and this is something that I see a lot in the conspiracy theory world. I look at conspiracy theories as being like another religion. And, and the same with a lot of modern science. And the reason why I say this is because there's a drive to, it's almost like there's always a drive behind these, you know, conspiracy theories and science to make people believe the information that is being presented. And in, in this same way that a lot of the older kind of traditional religions practiced uh, as a, a means to force people to believe the information that they were being presented with. And this is the same thing that we see now with conspiracy theories. It's the same thing we see now with a lot of science and so on. And if you don't believe the information that you are being presented with, you know, in science they call it scientific facts, if you don't believe this information, then often you are ridiculed. Often you are ridiculed, you are mocked in some way and so on. 
Whereas, obviously, where the traditional religions were concerned, if you didn't believe the religions, then you were probably burnt or murdered or something. <laughs> so, and, you know, these, both of these religion, from religion to science and to conspiracy theoryism, whatever, they all kind of act and function in a very similar way. But all of these are just belief systems. And, you know, you might uh, be wondering how I can say that science is a belief system. Okay. So, from the moment that we're born, from the moment that we, we are born into this life experience, the moment we, are, we come into this life, we are born into a system and this system uh, is, this system is kind of educates us. It educates us to think a certain way. It educates us in the process of thought. It educates us how to see things. <clears throat> and everything that it gives us everything that this kind of system gives us, it fuels our own system. And the system that I'm speaking of, our independent system, if you like, our individual system, is the human mind. So the human mind, then it begins to develop with all of this information. What we do is we start to regard the information that we are given as knowledge. So as an example, as an infant or as a young child, we are told what a tree is. Uh, you know, we follow the process. A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cat, D is for dog, blah, blah, blah. And the more that we are educated in this way, the bigger the objects uh, are, the bigger the objects become, the more complex the names are and so on and so forth. So we get to think like tree and blah, blah, blah. So we are educated. We are told what a tree is. The tree never comes to you and says, hi, I'm a tree. <laughs> but we are told what a tree is. So now, once we've been given this information, we then carry that information as a belief. So a belief system, it's not just the conspiracy theory. It's not just these sciences and modern sciences and what have you. It's not just a religion. The belief system in truth is the fact that we believe in the conceptual ideas that we've been given from the moment that we were born. Now, I said before, people speak about being three thinkers, free thinkers. There is no such thing as a free thinker. The idea of a three thinker, free thinker, is just a thought. The reason why I'm saying there's no such thing as a free thinker is because when you actively think, the only things you can think about are what, what is already 
in your memory. You can only think about memorized things. You can't think about something that doesn't exist. You can't think about something that you are you have no awareness or knowledge of. You can't think about anything like this. The only things you can think about are the things that you have already committed to memory. So thinking, the process of thinking is to delve into the memory that you already have. So this means that as from being an infant, a young child, we are given all this information and we store this information in our minds. Then as we, be, we get older and we start to think that we are, or we start to believe that we are free thinkers, all we are actually doing is delving into the information that we already have and kind of remixing it, reworking it into something that makes us feel better about ourselves. But the fact remains that it's still the same information. So when speaking of raising consciousness, you know, the more we raise consciousness, this is what it means to be waking up. So now I'm shifting here from the, the waking state from being asleep when you go to sleep at, at night to waking up to the realization that there is a deeper understanding that we can make a shift from the belief system that binds us, which is basically the memory of information that we have, to the understanding that our fundamental truth is beyond this mindful of information that we hold. Now, we have this, you know, I follow, or, or rather, let me phrase that, when, when my kind of awakening journey began, this was about 10 years ago. I, and I bought a book. I had a phrase where I was buying these books everywhere in, in a lot of cheap bookshops. And I bought this book, uh, Zen Buddhist quotes and sort of anecdotal stories. And I was kind of becoming attached to the whole philosophic, philosophical approach of Buddhism. And it was kind of becoming a crutch to me, I suppose. It was it was starting to make sense to me, and uh, you know, in my mind there was this. I was starting to find deeper meaning, and so on. But then I came across this little quote in this book that really completely threw my kind of world into disarray for a while until uh, the. Uh, until there, there was like a, a, a moment of, of, of clarity. And basically this quote basically said, 
Buddhism is like a boat to take you across the river. When you get to the other side of the river, the boat becomes useless. So in my mind, suddenly I'm like thinking, what the hell is that supposed to mean? So that means Buddhism's useless. So I'm doing all this studying about Buddhism and stuff, but it's, it's now Buddhism itself is telling me that it's useless. <laughs> uh, and, you know, at this time, I was spending a lot of time on my own. I was sitting on my own and, uh, and so on. I was doing a lot of contemplation and sitting in silence. Uh, and, and I read this. But it wasn't long after I read it that I suddenly came to this realisation that actually, this is the same with words. Words themselves are like the boat to take you across the river. So also in Buddhism, which was something else that I picked up while I was going through this process of study of Zen and stuff, um, there was a word that kept reoccurring about unlearning. And I hadn't truly grasped what this word meant until that point when I had this, this kind of epiphany, if you like, that words are like this boat to take you across the river. The process or practice of unlearning is basically to look at every single element, every single aspect, every single piece of information that you have gathered up to this point and disregarding it as a belief. So it's like now all of a sudden, the tree that you believed was a tree, you no longer believe it's a tree. Now this doesn't mean that I'm going to approach everybody that calls it a tree and say it's not a tree. It just means that I no longer hold the belief that it's a tree. So now, in this is for me, is the process of unlearning. Once I have kind of detached myself from these, all of these beliefs, not just about everything that I see, but everything that I've been told about me, everything that I've been told about me as a person. Now I have detached myself from this, this conceptual belief system it opens up a window of clarity. Because once you have this belief system, everything that you gather, everything that you find, all the information that you pick up along the way, all it does is it enters that belief system of your mind and your mind just makes it look like something new, makes it look like something different to you. And then what you do is you take that information with the belief that you have found something new. When in truth, all you have doing, all you have done and all you are continuing to do is fuel the same belief system that you already have. So then somebody comes along or you read something somewhere that speaks about waking up and in your mind, this process of beliefs that you have, you associate waking up with what you think it is. And then in that thought, 
you believe that you are something that you are not. So the mind, the human mind, the educated mind, the ego mind, whatever you want to call it, it has to constantly seek value. The human mind is the seeking mind. When you embark on your spiritual path as a seeker, you are a seeker because in your mind you think that there is something to be attained. The seeking mind is the human mind, the ego mind, the conceptual mind. So the, 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 the ego mind is constantly trying to survive in you. And it's constantly trying to stay hidden from being, uh, um, being noticed from your awareness realizing it. When we begin to raise our awareness, we begin effectively, it's like shining a light onto this, this human mind, this educated ego mind. Consciousness is like the light that shines over the ego. So in this process, no information can come along now and be used by the ego. Now, if you have a belief system, a belief basically means that you don't know. You believe it because you don't know. You know, I look at my hand and I know that in the context of our reality, I have a hand. I don't have to believe that I've got a hand here, right? I can see that I have a hand. So there's no belief required here. Now, if I receive information from somebody, okay, let's say, as an example, somebody tells me about their experience when they were dreaming last night. So they they had a dream last night and they come to me and they tell me this about their dream. Now, they are speaking about something that they experienced. So even though they were sleeping at the time, they are consciously aware that they had a dream. Okay, so this is how our consciousness is kind of entangled into our physical experience we become consciously aware that we have a dream so let's say you have a dream you are consciously aware that you had a dream you wake up the next day and whatever sometime during the day we are interacting you're speaking to me and you are telling me about your dream now you know you had a dream so you put your dream into knowledge knowledge true knowledge is born from experience. So this was your experience of your dream. You put it into knowledge uh, in order to convey your dream to me. You want to share your dream with me, so you put your dream into knowledge. Knowledge is born from knowing. So when you know something, you can communicate this knowing as knowledge. Quite freely quite freely, because you have this vivid experience of this thing. 
Now, I have taken this from you, not as knowledge, but as information. So you have given me knowledge, but I have received it as information. And the reason why it's information is because I never had the experience. So I am only learning about the experience, but I never had it. So I don't know it. If I don't know it, then it cannot be my knowledge. If I go and tell somebody else about your dream, then I'm not sharing my knowledge. I am sharing information with somebody. But what's happening now is people are finding information. People are gathering information. People are finding things that make them feel better. And generally speaking, what they are then doing, what people are then doing is taking this information and trying to force it on people in a way that it's almost like it becomes necessary for the human mind to force this belief onto other people in order to get other people to believe because then the more people that believe this information, the more valid it appears to be. But if it's just information with no substance, and by substance what I mean is no experience, if you don't have the experience, then there is no substance to the information. If it's just information with no substance, then it's quite superficial, it's quite weak. So people find information and then they try to share it with other people. But because it's just a belief and it's not known, then comes almost like a necessity to mock belittle um, and condescend people that don't share the same beliefs, don't share the same vision or view that they share, that don't share the same opinion. So now there comes a necessity to kind of make people look like something lesser than themselves. You know, I worked with a, uh, a fella, I worked with this bloke, and uh, once, uh, once before in the past. And he, by his own admission, was a born-again Christian, or something like that. Uh, there was some name that he gave himself, uh, but anyway, it was related to Christianity. And um, I worked with him for a few weeks, and every, practically every day we were working together. And he was always talking to me about religion. So our conversations were would obviously, every day, we'd be sort of, um, sometimes we'd go quite deep. But in all of our conversations, what he kept doing was he was just quoting the Bible. So he would constantly be quoting stuff out of the Bible, chapter and verse, all the time, throwing all these chapters and verses at me. And then I'd be speaking back, I'd be interjecting with, you know, with my views. <laughs> And then on one particular day, he said to me, uh, we was having a conversation and he said to me, I will convert you to, to my born again Christian faith or word to that effect. Uh, and I basically looked at him and said, how can you convert me into something that you don't truly know yourself? And he didn't understand what I meant. 
I said to him, in all of our conversations, all you are doing is quoting chapters and verses out of a book. You're not telling me anything yourself. You're just showing me what you've read in a book. So basically, I could go and read the book myself and make the decision that I'm a born-again Christian just because I've studied some lines in the book. But then what this means is that in order to be a born-again Christian, as he was putting it across to me, all he needed to do was study some lines in a book. Now, I don't have much of an understanding of, of religions. I have read the Mahabharata. I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read some parts of the Bible. But what I have come to understand about religions, whether it's all religions or not, I don't know. But what I have come to understand about most religions, certainly, is that most people understand, uh, misunderstand them. A religion, excuse me, when practiced properly, authentically, is just about you. It's just about you. It's not about you trying to make other people do anything or be anything that you think they should be. It is just about you and how you carry, how you present yourself, how you are. And the basis of Many of these religions, certainly of the Hinduism that uh, the, the Mahabharata is based on and the, uh, the Bible, uh, the, the basis of these religions is to understand yourself or, as they put it, knowledge of self. So when you have knowledge of self, with this self-knowledge, you then have a deep, deeper understanding, not only of yourself, but of everybody. You have a deeper understanding of this whole universe. This is what I see as knowledge of self. If you read a book like the Bible, and you think that you have to memorize quotes, chapters and verses, and throw them at people uh, in an effort to kind of steer them into believing the same lines and verses and so on that you do, then you have completely missed the mark. Religion is about understanding yourself more deeply. And from this deeper understanding, you will, you will come to an understanding of God, if God is your thing. You will come to understanding, uh, an understanding of what it means to be conscious and consciousness. You know, in the Bible, there are points where the, uh, God is phrased as saying, be still. There are points in the Bible where God refers to himself as I am, like the conversation with Moses. I am that I am. I am that I am, which is like saying the I am that everybody knows. That's me. <laughs> that's me, that is. <laughs> Now, everybody uses the phrase, I am. Everybody uses those two words, I am. We all use those two words. And then the Bible, here's a book that was written some how many hundreds, whatever, thousands years ago. Uh, I don't know when it was written. 
but it says this, it mentions this, I am that I am. Now, I know that a lot of people think that the Bible was written as a control device and so on, but it was written at a time when not many people were, uh, uh, were able to write. And there's also the potential for that book to have been written by people, some people that might have been uh, uh, awakened to being conscious. There are certainly some lines that I have read in the book that I could quote that kind of try to steer your awareness away from the Bible, away from the book, away from the teachings and to pay attention to look within yourself. Now, if you read something that tells you to look within yourself for truth, there has to be some part of your mind that this resonates with, that, that, that pulls you into an, an understanding that uh, there is a part of you that knows something. There's a part of you that knows something beyond the education and the information that you've received, beyond the education and the information. So when we can align with this part of us, many teachers over the years, throughout the few thousand years of, of human existence, human history, many teachers have, have used this phrase, look within, even down to modern psychology, uh, going back over the last hundred years or whatever, look within to have a deeper understanding of truth and knowledge of self and so on, look within yourself. Where again this gets misinterpreted is people assume that look within means delve into the mind. Delve into the mind. But then, you know, I once read uh, this meme, I think it was, some time ago, and it said something about questioning everything. And what a lot of people do when questioning everything is they question everything that they see around them. Everything that they see on the media, everything that we see the government doing, everything that they see uh, down the street, everything they see here, there and everywhere, blah, 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 blah. But the first thing that you must question, the first thing that you must question is your knowledge or what you think of as being your knowledge. And the moment that you turn your questioning to what you think of as being your knowledge, this, at the same time, is to question your mind. What is your mind? What is your mind? Where all this knowledge is stored? What is it? What, you know, what is this faculty for remembering things? So, you know, the human mind is just a storage of the memory and information that you've gathered in your time in this physical existence uh, up until this point. This is your human mind. What I see as being the mind is like the storage of every single piece of information since time began 
So you might say since the Big Bang. Uh, you know, and when in speaking of the Big Bang, what can we say the Big Bang is or what can we say it was? This could be seen as the point where consciousness, consciousness became a physical existence. Consciousness became something that could be regarded as physical, which basically was light and dark. So in a lot of ways, people look at light and dark as being two opposite things. People speak of being the light because the dark is seen as something bad. It's dark energy and this and that and so on and so forth. When in reality, you cannot have the light without the dark. There is no light without dark. But the light isn't consciousness. The light isn't consciousness, or rather, the light, it's not just the light that is consciousness. Consciousness contains, consciousness is like the container of both the light and dark. It's the container of both the light and dark, and it is the screen onto which the light and the dark appear. And then, in this appearance, this is what we refer to as the Big Bang, the moment that light appeared. But when light appeared, so did darkness. This is represented in the Taji symbol, the Zen uh, symbol of yin-yang. Light and dark both appeared at the same time. And as light and dark appeared, consciousness was already fully present. Consciousness is. It's like when Jesus said in the Bible, and I can't tell you the chapter and verse, but Jesus said, before Abraham, I am. And this is what, uh, according to the Bible, this is what many people saw Jesus as being blasphemous. Because the, uh, the people of the Bible that crucified Jesus, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the story as I understand it. The people of the Bible that crucified Jesus saw him as blaspheming because they looked towards Abraham. Was it Abraham who was uh, um, the, the... He was one of the forefathers, basically, who introduced the world to God or something like this. I don't know. Maybe somebody who's studied the Bible more will be able to tell you better. But they looked towards Abraham as being uh, uh, the messenger, a messenger in some description. When Jesus said before, Abraham, I am. In these words, he's trying to say, or he is saying, that I am is consciousness. I am is God. I am is. It wasn't then and not now. It is. It is now. Now is the only time there is. The time is now. The place is now. And before Abraham, I am means that the now 
that was when Abraham was walked the earth, so to speak, is the same now that is that we all walk the earth. The same I am that was when Abraham was here is the same I am that we all are, the same consciousness. But all of this is just information. It's just information that I'm sharing. It's just information that you gather from the Bible. It's just information that anybody else can say to you. This information has the potential to become knowledge if you will follow the direction that it points you in, which is to develop that deeper understanding of yourself or to put it the way that many people say, to look within. So raising consciousness basically means to elevate our conscious awareness out of our physical experience because in our physicality, in, in our physiological understanding of reality, consciousness is trapped. This is why many people are struggling with mental health issues and so on and so forth. Consciousness is trapped in this physical reality. To raise consciousness is basically to, uh, uh, to become aligned with consciousness and become aware that we are conscious at a deeper level than the physical. To become to, to arrive at the point of knowing and understanding the mind. Once we arrive at this point of knowing and understanding the mind, the, the consciousness has begun to rise. It has begun to be elevated in the individual human being. This is uh, uh, obviously a, a conversation that can go quite uh, go for quite a distance uh, but I'm going to finish it at that I'm going to leave this one here until next week thank you all for tuning in thank you for listening don't forget to tune in for fine on Friday and I hope you all have a blessed week until next week I'll catch you later peace <laughs>